Well, good morning, Crossroads family. I am so glad that you are with us today. I'm excited because we are kicking off our brand new series as we enter this Easter season. It is called You Are Loved. And really, this captures everything that Crossroads is about because we operate on three core values here. We operate on the value of connecting people with God. Now listen, this is the first and foremost of our core values. This is the why behind everything we do here. We want to connect as many people with the love of Jesus that we possibly can. Why do we do that? Because we believe that when people encounter Jesus, it radically changes their lives. Because remember, God loves you just the way you are, but he refuses to leave you that way. He wants you to become more like him. So we celebrate the change when someone encounters Jesus. And listen, I want to remind you, next Sunday is Easter, all right? And we are celebrating big. We have figured out how to celebrate quarantine-friendly baptisms. And if you have have not taken that next step in your faith. I know we've talked about this already today. This is an awesome opportunity for you to take this next step of obedience and to be baptized. Uh, I encourage you, go to crossroads.online slash baptism and let us know you want to take this next step because we would love to have you participate and celebrate your changed life next Sunday on Easter. It's going to be amazing. Now, here's the thing. When we connect people with God, we're able to celebrate the change. And then we realize we've all been given this challenge by God to contribute to the community, to contribute to the kingdom by using the gifts and abilities that God has given us by leading the way with generosity. And we realize that generosity and joy are part of the lifestyle that God has called us to. And if I can pause for just a second, uh, to everyone who's part of the Crossroads family, I just want to say thank you. You have continued to lead the way with generosity over these last few weeks. And listen, these are uncertain times. We totally get it. But your generosity is making a huge difference in our community. We're able to connect more people right now than we ever have before. And God is doing some extraordinary things behind the scenes. And in the weeks to come, I'm looking forward to sharing with you some of these exciting things that have been happening behind the scenes. But the bottom line is, God is using your generosity as you contribute to the community in this way to continue connecting people with Jesus. I have to stop and celebrate. Last week, we had 38 people that said yes to Jesus. Can you believe that? 38 people that connected with Jesus and said, yes, Jesus, I need you. That is an extraordinary thing that we want to celebrate. And so when we recognize this reality that, that we are loved, that God just absolutely, dearly and deeply loves each and every one of us, we realize that this is a game changer. We realize that God loves us and there's nothing we can do about it. And I hope that you'll hear that individually today, no matter where you're watching from today. I hope that you'll lean in and hear this truth. God loves you and there's nothing you can do about it. It's an incredible thing. In fact, it's, it's a mind-numbing, unbelievable, unexplainable love because we simply don't deserve it. Romans 5.8 says that while we were still sinners, while we were still enemies of God, we weren't friends, we, we weren't deserving in any way of his love, his mercy, or his grace. While we were still sinners, while we were far from him, he died for us. He paid the penalty for our sins that we could not pay. I mean, this is love. There's no greater love than that. The love that lays down his life for a friend. And we are his friends. You are dearly and you are deeply loved by God. And you guys, this changes everything. And so I hope you'll lean in today as we realize that when we connect with God, we are embracing and responding to this incredible love that he has for us. And this love changes everything. Today, what I want to recognize is uh, some of the attributes of God's love. Over, over the next three weeks, we're going to recognize that God's love is selfless, God's love is sacrificial, and God's love serves. 
And we're going to try to identify the areas in our life where we can best replicate this love in our lives and, and, and begin loving others with the same love that God has for us. To recognize that when I encounter that love in my life, that it does change me and I do transform and I become more like Jesus. And we're going to dive into what that looks like in our daily lives and what that really means because it all begins with this extraordinary love that really is unexplainable. And today we're diving into this concept that God's love is selfless, all right? It is not uh, self-centered. In fact, it's exactly the opposite. God's love will do anything for you. In fact, he's taken the first step. He's made the first move. You are dearly and deeply loved by God. Again, there is nothing that you can do about it. God's love is completely selfless, and we are to model that love in our own lives. But to model it, we've got to understand it. And I love this story that we see in Luke chapter 19 of Zacchaeus and his encounter with Jesus because it's an unbelievable picture of the love that God has for us. Let's dive into this. It says in Luke 19, 1 through 10, Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region. That means no one liked him, right? (laughs) Nobody likes you. You're the chief tax collector. Not only was he working with the Romans, who were the enemy of the Israelites, he was also working with the Romans to cheat his own fellow people. I mean, no one liked Zacchaeus. The Romans still despised him because he was a Jew, and then his own people despised him because he was cheating them on their taxes. I mean, this guy was an outcast. Nobody liked Zacchaeus, all right? Let's make that perfectly clear. So it says he tried tried to get a look at Jesus, all right? He had become very rich by what he did, and Jesus was coming through town. So he was trying to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. This is an awesome story. This is a great story. Uh, we all learn about this. If you grew up in church, this is one of the stories you learned about as a kid. If this is the first time you're hearing this story, let's have some fun with it because Zacchaeus was short, all right? He was so short, he had to climb a tree to see over the, the crowd, right? And so I don't want to make fun of people. I'm not going to tell any short jokes today, probably because they'd go over your head anyway. <laughs> see what I did there? Uh, but here's the thing. Let's identify there's something to this idea. There's a reason that they mentioned the shortness of Zacchaeus. And let's dive into this idea that selfishness, when I am choosing to be selfish and focus on my own wants and my own desires, instead of loving selflessly like Jesus does, it, it, it shrinks my thinking. Selfishness, it says, leads to a small world. Now think about this for a second. When I am focusing on myself, when I am refusing to focus on the needs of others, when my world uh, is so small that all I am focusing on is me, let's recognize this is significant. And this is dangerous because your life will never be bigger than yourself if you are only willing to live for yourself. All right? Would you just stop to consider that for a second? Your life will never be bigger than yourself if all you are willing to do is is live for yourself. See, the, the reality here is that selfishness and significance are incompatible. If you want your life to matter, if you want your life to be meaningful, if you want your life to have eternal significance, you can't be consumed with yourself. You have to love the same way that Jesus loves you. You have to be selfless. You can't be consumed with yourself. You know, what's interesting is we just wrapped up our series on seven, the seven deadly sins, and all of these sins are also kind of captured by this idea of selfishness, right? When I'm consumed by greed and lust and pride and envy and anger, it's, it's all about me, right? It, it's, it's focusing on myself. And we just finished this seven-week series of recognizing, man, These are the deadliest sins. 
they destroy my soul. And they're all wrapped around this, this idea of selfishness. And that leads nowhere. There is no significance. There is no purpose. There is no meaning to my life when I'm consumed with just myself. There is no significance there. There's nothing you can do. There's nothing to work with there. And so I challenge you to consider the selfless love of Jesus because it brings meaning to your life. It really does change everything. And I think a lot of times, a lot of times we, we have a hard time wrapping our minds around this because selfishness is a default setting, right? You don't have to teach your kids how to be selfish. It comes pretty naturally, at least to my kids. But hey, they're pastor's kids, so we all, we all get that. But here's the thing. When we talk about selfishness, I think a lot of times we have the tendency to say in our own selfishness and our own pride, hey, I'm okay. You know, I'm sure Zacchaeus was putting all of his trust in his worldly possessions, in the wealth that he had accumulated. And in his world, he's saying, I've got everything I ever wanted. All right, I'm fine. I'm good. And I think when we're consumed by self, our own selfishness and, and our own small world, we forget the reality that I need Jesus. I need to be saved from myself, from my sin, from my selfishness. I need to be saved. I, I need Jesus. And what we're going to recognize in this story is that Jesus, the whole point he came to planet earth is to seek and to save that which was lost. That's the kind of selfless love that Jesus has for you. And we fall into this trap of, of thinking, oh, I'm fine. My world is okay. I've managed it. I've got it under control. And we forget that we need to be saved. I remember when I was a youth pastor, man, this is back in like 2002, we took our youth group whitewater rafting down the Okoe River in Georgia. And I'll never forget this because we had a, a good-sized youth group. I sent all the high schoolers ahead, and I'm trying to be the good leader. I, I jump in the whitewater raft uh, with all the middle school girls in Dana. I'm thinking, you know what? They need somebody to row and paddle. I'll help them out and keep them safe, right? Because I'm, I'm the big, strong man. I'm the savior of the whitewater raft, right? And so we get in the, the raft. The guide says, hey, this is going to be a great trip. Just remember, paddle on the right when I say right, paddle on the left when I say left. It's going to be fine. The only thing you need to remember is that when we get to the whirlpool. This is the worst and most dangerous rapid. We can't go right. We have to go left. It's actually quite dangerous if you fall into the whirlpool. So I'm thinking, I've got this covered. I'll be with these girls. I'm going to keep them safe. Well, we get to the whirlpool. And as soon as we get to the whirlpool, he starts saying, everybody paddle on the right. We need to go to the left. So everyone starts paddling. No, that's not what happened. None of these girls started paddling. We started heading straight toward the whirlpool. I'm starting to get anxious. I'm going, oh, one of these girls is going to fall out. When all of a sudden we hit the whirlpool, boom, the raft goes up in the air. And I am the person that is ejected out of this raft and into the center of the whirlpool. You guys, it was a terrifying moment in my life. For a moment, I'm going, I think I'm going to die. I am completely helpless in this moment. And it was then in that incredible moment of helplessness that these two super strong arms reached down in the water and pulled me up like I was weightless and into the safety of this raft. It was my wife, Dana. I have no idea to this day how she did it. I think adrenaline took over her. It was one of those moments where she could have picked up a car that was crushing someone. It was unbelievable. I have never been just so relieved and looked at my wife as the great hero that she is. But in that moment, oh my goodness, she saved my life. That was a moment where I'd gone in with the mentality of, oh, I will be the savior. And I ended up being the one who needed to be saved. I think in our selfishness, we become blind to the fact that I need Jesus. I need to connect with him because he is hope. He is joy. He is peace. He is salvation. 
And we can't get that salvation on our own. We are desperate for him. And we are desperate for his love. So Zacchaeus, the cheater, the tax collector, the guy that nobody likes, he has this encounter with Jesus. He climbs the tree. Jesus is about ready to walk by. And it says, when Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. What an unbelievable moment that is. Zacchaeus, trying to get through the crowd, trying to get to a place where he can see Jesus as he passes by, finds a tree that he can climb, probably looks ridiculous, holding on for dear life. As Jesus walks under the tree, he looks directly in the eye of Zacchaeus. And think about this for a second. He calls him by name. Zacchaeus, who he'd never known, never met Jesus before, has Jesus look him in the eye, and Jesus calls him by name. He is known. He is loved. And it is with this selfless love that Jesus is looking intently into Zacchaeus' eyes, saying, Zacchaeus, I've come to planet Earth to seek and to save you. This is an unbelievable moment. Now, Zacchaeus still hasn't gotten it yet, right? He still thinks everything's about him. And the, the point you got to realize here is that selfishness leads to shrinking thinking, all right? Focusing on how great you are blinds you to how great God is. I think in this moment, Zacchaeus is probably saying, Jesus knows who I am. That's because I've made a name for myself. I'm the chief tax collector. I am pretty awesome. And so Jesus, acknowledging Zacchaeus, still hasn't had a breakthrough moment here, right? Because in the shrinking thinking of Zacchaeus, he still thinks it's all about him. And when you are consumed with this life where you think that everything in life is about you, I contend today that you are missing out on real life. Because it's not until we realize, man, I desperately need Jesus, I can't do this on my own. It's until we have that realization that without Jesus, there is no real hope. There is no real joy. There is no real peace. I need Jesus. It's until we come to this unbelievable and life-changing realization that nothing really changes. So here Zacchaeus is. He's encountered Jesus. Jesus wants to come to his house, and Zacchaeus still thinks it's about him. All right, we've got a problem here. So it says, Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. What's interesting about this is how deeply despised Zacchaeus was. Because as dearly loved as Jesus was, at the height of his popularity, people are grumbling, saying, why is he going to go spend time with Zacchaeus? This just can't be who Jesus is and what he's about. Why? He, Zacchaeus is the biggest cheat. Is Jesus going there because of the money? There would be all kinds of people grumbling about this because they just don't understand it. But Jesus isn't out to meet Zacchaeus for his own personal gain. Jesus is out to meet Zacchaeus because he dearly and deeply loves Zacchaeus. He's desperate to point out to Zacchaeus that he is in desperate need of forgiveness and salvation. The whole point, the whole mission of Jesus right now is Zacchaeus, I have come to seek out and to save you, the most despised person on the planet, the person that nobody likes, the person that's been beaten and broken down, the person that has no hope, that person who is hurting, that person who is consumed by fear. Jesus came to seek and to save all of us. 
And I love that this story highlights the fact that Zacchaeus, the most hated person in all of Jericho, is the person that Jesus highlights. He circles and says, no, I've got an appointment with Zacchaeus here. It's time we had a talk. That speaks to the heart of Jesus. That speaks to his selfless love, that he's willing to do whatever it takes to seek and to save each and every one of us. Let's consider that for a second. When we connect with God's selfless love, I want you to realize today that it changes everything. If the whole mission of why Jesus came to planet Earth is to seek and to save that which was lost, if we realize we are all dearly and deeply loved by God and there is nothing that we can do about it, then when we encounter this selfless love of God, you guys, it changes everything. And with Zacchaeus, this transformation is fantastic. It says, Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half of my wealth to the poor, Lord. And if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Consider Zacchaeus is identifying really the two biggest problems that he would have had. He's been consumed by greed. He's been willing to put off all the relationships in his life because he's been so selfish and consumed by his own greed and his own possessions and his own wealth that everything in his life has been filtered through how could he get more. And in one moment with Jesus, he realizes... Jesus, none of this matters. I need you. I'm going to give half of everything that I've accumulated for myself back to you. And if I've cheated anyone, I'm going to give them four times what I've, what I've stolen from them. I'm done. I mean, Zacchaeus, by encountering Jesus, has been immediately changed. He's been immediately transformed. He is not the same. I love this. This speaks to the power of the selfless love of Jesus. So it says, Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today, for this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save those who are lost. This is Jesus verbalizing in perfect detail the mission of why he came to planet earth. We talked about this last week at Crossroads, how Adam and Eve in the garden broke their fellowship with God. See, when God created humanity, when, when God created the planet Earth and all that is in it, there was no sin, there was no death, there was no suffering, there was no pain. It's when Adam and Eve ate of the fruit and rejected God's plan for, for us that everything changed, that that relationship was broken. And now we deal with the effects of sin and pain and suffering and death. It's not what God wanted for us. And sometimes we blame God in the suffering. We deal with moments like we're dealing right now, with having to figure out what life looks like with the coronavirus and all the pain and the suffering and the people who are hurting because of what's happening right now. Sometimes we have the tendency to say, God, why would you do this to us? I, I want to remind you today that that was never God's intent. He created a perfect world that was free of all of this. It's on us. We chose to reject who he is. Now we live in a broken world. But God wasn't content to leave it that way. He loves you, and there is nothing you can do about it. God loves you so much that while you were still a sinner, while you were still his enemy, while you were far from him, Jesus came to die for you, to fix that which was broken, to restore that relationship with God that was beyond our understanding. We could not do that on our own. We need Jesus to restore that broken relationship. And so Jesus loves us so much that he came from heaven, came down to earth to lay himself down on that cross, 
as a sacrifice for our sin so that he could seek and save that which was lost. He did that for you. He did that for me. And it's all because of this selfless love that he has for each and every one of us. I would ask you to consider the reality of this and think about this idea that while Jesus is filled with selfless love and has come to seek and save you, I I, I want you to not miss this. Because here we are on Palm Sunday. We're entering the Easter season. Next Sunday, we celebrate Easter. We celebrate the fact that Jesus was crucified on that cross. He was dead for three days, and then he rose from the grave because death could not hold him. The grave could not keep him. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. There is no one like him. He is alive, and that changes everything. That's what we're looking forward to. That's what we celebrate next Sunday. But recognize that on Palm Sunday, he came into Jerusalem at the height of his popularity, People were waving their palm branches at him. They were laying their their outer robes on the ground so he wouldn't have to walk on the dirt in the ground. He could walk in to Jerusalem on their clothing because they wanted to treat him as king and savior and Lord. It, It was him at the height of his earthly popularity. And yet what we see here in Luke 19 at the end of this chapter, after he leaves Jericho, after he has this encounter with Zacchaeus, after he states his mission, I have come to seek and to save that which was lost. I have come for you. As he's walking into Jerusalem, as he's about to be paraded in at the height of his popularity, I want you to focus in on the heart of Jesus. He has a prophecy here over what's going to happen to Jerusalem, and I hope that you'll feel the pain in his heart of what's about to happen. Listen to what Jesus says in Luke 19, 41 through 44. It says, but as he came closer to Jerusalem and saw the city ahead, Jesus began to weep. How I wish today that you of all people would understand the way to peace. But now it is too late, and peace is hidden from your eyes. Before long, your enemies will build ramparts against your walls and encircle you and close in on you from every side. They will crush you into the ground and your children with you. Your enemies will not leave a single stone in place because you did not recognize it when God visited you. You guys... We can't miss this. God loves you, and there is nothing you can do about it. He came to planet Earth to seek and to save that which was lost. He came to provide a way for peace, which is, that peace overflows from our restoration of our relationship with God. He came to bring us hope. He came to give us a way for joy and for for real purpose and freedom. He, He came to make a way for us to be right with God again. This is the selfless love that God has for us. He's made the the first move. He's paid the price that we couldn't pay. He came to seek and to save that which was lost, to heal that which was broken. And I would contend today that in light of the love that God has for us, realizing that God loves you and there's nothing you can do about it, now's the time to connect with God. Don't miss out on this opportunity to draw close to Him. Maybe you're having this realization that you've been consumed with yourself. Selfishness has been driving everything that is is in your life, that it's it's all been centered around you. And it's led to shrinking thinking. I mean, it's stunted your relationships. It's hurt everything in your life. I would challenge you today to recognize 
your need for Jesus. And maybe you're here today and you're realizing, I I need to say yes to Jesus. I've never really realized that I needed to be saved. In this moment, my heart is pounding in my chest and I'm realizing God is speaking to me. I challenge you right now, just say this, Jesus, you are Lord. Jesus, I believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead. Come into my heart, forgive me of my sins and make me new. If that is the prayer of your heart, then you have just said yes to Jesus and he is going to change your life. And we are going to celebrate that change because that is what we do. We want to do everything we can to connect you with this extraordinary love that God has for you. He came to seek and to save you. He loves you and there's nothing that you can do about it. I encourage you today, if you've been walking with Jesus for a long time, make sure that you're not missing out on the fullness of his salvation in your life. Make sure that you're not allowing anything to be a barrier in your, in your life that would be a barrier between you and your relationship with him. Make sure that you're using this opportunity when all the distractions of life have been pulled away during this time of quarantine. Make sure you're taking advantage of this time to draw close to him and to experience the fullness of the peace and the hope and the joy and the life that he brings us because he has made the way. He has paid the price that we could not pay. He has come to seek and to save that which was lost. And so I challenge you, whether it's for the very first time or for if it's, if it's the, the first time today, I, this has been a lifelong journey for you. You guys, it's time to connect with God. It's time to draw close to him. So as we close, I would just ask wherever you're watching, would you just bow your head and close your eyes in this moment? And would you take this opportunity just to connect with God? Would you close your eyes and, and, and would you bow your heads and just say to Jesus, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I realize today you came to seek and to save me. Jesus, I realize today you love me and there's nothing that I can do about it. I encourage you in this moment to embrace that love, to draw close to him and to let him change you and help you become more like him. Jesus, we are so thankful today for the selfless love that you have for us, that your mission here was so clear and so focused that you were willing to do whatever it took to seek and to save us. We celebrate today that you love us, God, (laughs) and there's nothing we can do about it. And because of this love, we just want to pause right now and just give you praise. We want to say thank you because you are good. You are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. You are Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides, Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. God, you are Emmanuel. You are God with us. And you love us with an everlasting love. We thank you for that love today and we give you praise. We pray this in your holy and your mighty name today. Amen.